This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What's up, everybody? How we doing? Oh, we doing okay. We sore. We tired today. You tired? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Clayton, Clayton tried, uh, what's it called? The milk crate challenge? The milk crate challenge yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, something I regret doing. We had a family function and all the youngsters. All the youngsters. All the youngsters were doing the milk crate challenge and one of the teenagers thought it would be funny to challenge me to do it. And I was like, all right. YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. And I got up to the top, no problem. And I got down to the second step, no problem. Whenever I was coming down to the third step, that's where I had my problem. <laughs> I got one foot down, and I moved the other foot. And as soon as I moved that foot, everything went to hell in a handbasket. Real fast. Everything went to hell in a milk crate is what happened. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> everything toppled over. I landed right on my side. Felt like every joint in my body crack. <laughs> yeah. Um, it looked like it hurt. It did not. And I'm not feeling good today. My neck is like, uh, nothing, nothing feels good right now. <laughs> yeah. It, and then dad was like, you going to try talking to me? I was like, no, uh, no. Uh-uh. Although good job. Dad did it three times. Dad did it three times. Um, without falling at all. No, he he fell one time. He oh, fell he the fall first time. time, and then did it three times successfully back to back. Yeah, he didn't fall like you though. <laughs> I felt bad. Yeah, like I you, felt bad. You somehow the crate and your feet went the same way, and you fell straight down on top of the last crate that was left. <laughs> Yeah, did not feel good. And the ribs took all of your fall for <laughs> somehow. Your hand, I don't know where your hands were, but they didn't break the fall at all. Well, my hands were it was it was cool training just naturally. My hands went to break my fall. Oh, and you landed on the milk crate. So and I landed on the milk crate instead of on the ground. Yeah, so it you and, your ribs took all of it because you hadn't reached the ground yet. Because I hadn't hand. reached the ground because I didn't realize that there was yeah. still a crate underneath me. Yeah, that Ooh. I landed on. Yeah, it, it did not feel none of that felt good. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it was just natural, like just yeah. training the. But yeah, my body hurts, but it's fine. We're here. We're doing things. <laughs> yes it's fine we're here we're doing things yeah yeah we're here we're doing things so let's talk about um advent some more let's do it so advent is not as cut and dry as lots of times we like to think mm-hmm. um <clears throat> Cut and dry Advent is about the best I could have gave you last week. Yeah. But 
There's a lot of inner workings and moving parts with Advent, especially since it originally was celebrated next to the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they moved it. And moving it, pairing it with the first coming of Jesus makes sense when you're seeking the second coming or anticipating the second coming, rather. And so, actually, originally when Advent was celebrated, and early in, in Advent's history, at least recorded history, we get proof of this, which is in the late, 500s, roughly. There's a fast connected to Advent, Mm -hmm. which Clayton has spent quite a bit of time in the past attending a Catholic church, Catholic a church from the Catholic tradition. I was involved somewhat in Catholic life. Yeah, and so Clayton's done faithfully done Lent twice. No, way more than. No, actually being connected to the Catholic Church. Conne- like actually attending. connected to the Catholic Church, yes, twice. Two, two Lenten seasons for you connected to the Catholic Church. Yeah. So talk about Lent. So Lent, interesting. Uh, in the Catholic Church, um, is much different than as we celebrate the Lenten season or participate in the Lenten season. And... Um, evangelicalism but it's more of a penitent season mm-hmm. right it's it's a it's a time to um make reciprocity reciprocity oh, what's the, oh gosh what how do you say that word reciprocity reciprocity there we, there we, there we go can't speak today um, um so to and to earn a little bit more grace because um, remember, in Catholic theology, you, grace is a little bit more monetary yep, yep. in that way. Um, grace must be merited. Yeah. And um, it kind of takes on this role of, in the Lenten season, you earn more grace in that way. Um, and, and doing all the normal things that you would do, but also in your fast and in the things that you would add to your um, your daily life. In my understand, in my understanding, Advent is not much different. Am I correct? No, and it's original. Yeah, what we it was meant to be. Well, I don't know that anyone's looking at it in a in a penitent form um, in that way, like they do with Lent. Well, in the Catholic Church, it was. No, dude. Everything was Catholic back then. No, no, no. Like, even whenever I would spend the spend the advent season in the catholic church they talked about it as a time as a time of pen, of in a time of penitence uh, penance in a time of penance thank you um interesting i wonder if that's unique to the little catholic tradition you were in maybe um because every other tradition now looks at it as celebratory mm-hmm. um no they didn't talk about it that way yeah, I, I'm wondering if that's unique to the tr- the it, the smaller tradition. Might be specific to Society of Saint Pius X. Yeah, um, because even back in the day, they didn't look at it super penitent um, in that way. The fast was not in the way it is with Lent. So explain the Lenten fast for everybody. So the Lenten fast is a means of quote, suffering with Christ. Um, 
in this way. So in the Lenten season, you, so in the traditional way, you would fast and also abstain from, you know, food and meat and at certain times. Um, and when do you do that? Wednesdays and Fridays, you would abstain from meat, but your fast was continuous. Um, for all 40 days of Lent. For all 40 days. So you're fasting all 40 days of Lent. Mm-hmm. You're fasting all 40 days. And but Wednesdays and Fridays, you give up meat. You as, abstain from meat. Yeah. As an addition to that fast. Now, Fridays in the Catholic tradition, you are always supposed to abstain from meat. Correct. But yeah. um, you add Wednesdays during Lent. Right. Um, but it is a time... Um, to suffer with Christ in, in this, you are making a sacrifice um, in your relationship with um, with God to be closer to him and to suffer with him to earn more grace. Yes. The ancient Advent fast was not set up that way. So the ancient Advent fast begins it starts being talked about in recordings the late 500s and it's only fasting three days a week okay um i gotta be honest i don't know that there's anything significant about three Mm. um but in the um It actually originates out of a connection to St. Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a small vein of it that was really connected to that. And then there's a council in 581 that kind of mandates that Lent is going to be something that we do. And we're going to, I mean, uh, Advent's going to be something we do. And we're going to fast three days a week. Um, the connection to fasting is if I could point it anywhere, and I think this is just true for the ancient culture, They, the ancient culture lived a much more, um, I cannot remember the word that Charles Taylor uses in a secular age, um, enchanted. Mm. They live in a much more enchanted world. Okay. Whereas modernity has made us have a disenchanted worldview. Mm-hmm. So think about in the ancient culture, um, when someone had like a mental illness, what did they call it? it like demon possession, typically. Yeah, like it, some it, sort of evil spirit. It, it's an enchanted worldview. Yeah. How do we talk about mental health? We talk about it as like actual illness. Science, yeah, a disenchanted worldview, right? That's the difference here. In an ancient culture where you view the world in an enchanted way, when Jesus says some things only come through prayer and fasting, mm-hmm. that means something to you that it doesn't mean to us, right? Um, they're just something different about an enchanted worldview. And so when Jesus says there are some things that only come through prayer and fasting, it, it felt right in an ancient culture to set aside a time when you're talking about something so prominent, so final, so culminary 
in the second coming to put a little bit of extra juju on it. Some things only come through prayer and fasting. <laughs> put a little bit of extra juju on and it. So, and so you fast. Um, and by 581, this is widely practiced. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing, by the 13th century, fasting in Advent was virtually gone. Mm-hmm. Nobody did this anymore so it really only lasted about 600 years Mm -hmm. what would have changed in the 13th century start of the renaissance no that's not until 1400 Mm -mm. i don't know what happened what what happened from 600 to 1200 in um, the ancient world that would have been like massive issue for the church crusades mm. that started oh in there. so that's 1100 so yeah, that started in there that that's a that's a that's a good answer to my second question it's not the answer i'm looking for for my first one and what is the answer? the answer i'm looking for for my first one is the great schism okay so the great schism happens in 1054 where the greek east which now becomes the Orthodox Church, mm-hmm. splits off from the Latin West, yeah. which is the Roman Catholic Church. That changes a lot of things. Right. Um, and I don't want to say... I don't want to say this in a super pejorative way, but at least in the way that I read church history... It seems like a lot of the pious, like the pious and piety elements, were actually more connected to the Greek tradition rather than the Latin tradition. Um, Walk that out for me. So, even in the early church fathers, mm-hmm. the patristic uh, writers, the piety and ethical things are really like and the spiritual formation elements really happening in the allegorical eastern traditions okay um in the ways that they're thinking about allegory and spiritual formation Mm. and metaphors and devout living Mm. and divine ascent Mm. um, all of these things about their their natural disposition towards their relationship with god is very much more more pious and relationship driven Whereas the Latin West, it feels much more, well, it feels much more modern. I mean, why do you think Augustine is loved and Clement of Alexandria and Origen of Alexandria are kind of left out and actually kind of shunned because of their allegory? Mm. Um, Like the piety elements really feels like at the Great Schism the piety is lost Mm. um, in the Latin church in a way that becomes marked by the Reformation. Okay. Um, Nothing like that happens in the Greek church. Mm. Fair enough. Um, So that's what I mean by that. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's no piety in in Catholicism. Right. But I think that the kind of main voices in that pious element are no longer in the Latin church by the 13th century. 
Okay. Um, and so the practice kind of dies out. But by then, all the other elements of the liturgy of Advent have been said. Um, so like Advent candles and like all of the the, litur- the liturgical elements of Advent mm. are kind of set, even though this kind of pious element has been lost. Sure. Now. Which is why elements of those things also exist in the Orthodox Church as well. Correct. Still to this day. Correct. So my question here that I would like to pose is should we fast for Advent? Interesting question. Um, I would say it would depend on your motivation um, of why you would want to fast um, as it does in all situations. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there is something to... Um, some things only come through prayer and fasting. There is something to that statement. Jesus wouldn't have just said that flippantly. Right. You know? Um, and I don't think that there's ever a wrong time to fast. Um, as long as it's done with, you know, the right intentions and the right heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to, sure. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the only way that I really can answer that question. Yeah, um, I feel that. Um, so I just realized, I want to clarify something. What I didn't mean is that the Greek church continued to fast and the Latin church didn't. Neither one of them continued to practice this. But what I am saying is I do think the pietal elements of the main voices of that tradition left with the Greeks. Right. So, clarify that. Nobody really fasts for Advent now. Nobody fasts for Advent now, by and large. Right. Um, but I think you should if you feel impressed to. Sure. That I mean, that that's the kind of easy way to say it. I and Remember, this is shorter than the Lenten season, too. Like, your fast would be. Um, mm, not by much. Well, no, if you're only fasting three days a week in the traditional oh, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it was optional that you could fast every day. Right. Um, sure. And there were lots of people that did. Mm-hmm. But I think just like. Also, there is an element, too, that you need to factor in. Don't forsake community for the discipline as well. Always, always. Um, We've talked about that a ton on this podcast. Sure. And just remember that. If you do want to fast for Advent, your community is way more important than... The discipline. Than the discipline. Never forsake community for the discipline. Just keep that in mind. Yep, 100%. There's no no dogmatism here. Was I talking to you the other day when you were like, I never knew what dogmatism meant? No, that was Jared. No, it wasn't Jared. Uh, I had this conversation you with may have, somebody. You may have had this conversation with Jared. I um, had this conversation with some... Or, I think I know who I had it with. If I it had was, this conversation with somebody the other day, too. If it wasn't with you, I know who it was with. Okay. Um, I actually did have that conversation with somebody, too. Something similar. 
I think just like in anything, there are moments where in life, seasons in life, where for lack of a better term and because it's funny and I used it earlier, we need to put a little extra juju on some stuff. Sure. Um, not in like a magical kind of sprinkle Jesus dust <laughs> on it kind of way. But I just think there there are seasons of life where we need to show God our commitment to receiving a new revelation from him. Yeah. If one of those seasons for you happens to be around Advent, yeah, 100%. Mm. Do that. Fast your three days alongside the ancient tradition beginning the first Sunday after um, uh, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and proceeding on until Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. 100% and you will be spiritually enriched by that practice. Sure. There's not a doubt in my mind that God will meet you through that obedience and consistency. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think that fasting is the greatest way to devote yourself in the Advent season in modern cultures. Mm. I think I see where you're going, but I want to see, I want to see you walk this out. You will next week. <laughs>